I'd like you to go to Psalm 86, and I've got a good word for you tonight, and I just pray you really get a lot out of it, because uh, it's about counting your blessings, Psalm 86, and I'm going to start with verse 17, but I'm pretty much going to spend some time in this. It's a short, it's a short psalm. It's very comprehensive, and uh, we're then going to the takeaway is that we're going to have developed an attitude of gratitude. So tonight, I want you just to kind of sit quietly in God's presence, soak up his love, let it fill your heart, let your mind get filled with thankfulness. Jesus is an ever-present help in the time of need. And in fact, you know, I want to see you guys get activated with the awareness and the sense of equipping and you get all the obstacles out of the way so God can really use you in a special way. You're designed to be a carrier of the presence of God. You're designed to have it overflow out of you so then therefore it's not forced. It's not to be a forced thing. I met a guy that, very high-powered Pentecostal preacher, and behind the scenes I met his wife and his kids and him a number of times. Found him to be such a man of substance. And uh, whether he got in those strong inflections, those heavy kind of assertive uh, preaching in his preaching style, or whether he just communicated it, it was always from his heart. It's always from the heart. We're to be heart people. And uh, the Bible says out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. So nudge somebody and say he's talking to you. All right, so here's what I want you to look at. Uh, Psalm 86. And I want to read a verse that's very counter to a lot of the way I think. Psalm 86, 17 says, Show me a sign for good. Show me a sign for good that those who hate me may see it and be ashamed. Because you, O Lord, have helped me and comforted me. What an interesting verse. This uh, psalmist in the King James, it says, Show me a token for good. A token for good. Now, there used to be railway tokens. There used to be tokens that you would use at Six Flags. You'd change in your money and get tokens. A token is something of value. As a young man, I grew up in California, and then when I came here, I've just always loved the outdoors. And whenever I go outside to pray, I, I hate to tell you this, but every time I go out, out to pray, I look for arrowheads. It's just a guy thing that got up in me when I was a kid. And I've actually found some, I found, a, I found a peace pipe out in California and turned it into the, I didn't realize I needed to turn it in, but I turned it into the park ranger. He said, I'll take that. And it was in perfect shape. It was beautiful. I know, I missed that thing. <laughs> then I went to Prayer Mountain. Uh, uh, Billy Brim has Prayer Mountain. And I went there. Uh, we helped build a firehouse there. And, and uh, they have beautiful cabins to go pray. So I went in there and Patsy was in there. And I said, hey, I'm going to go outside and pray. So I walked down to Lake Tanicomo to the, there was a wash, like a confluence of uh, creeks, and they were all dry. The water was a little low. So I started looking for, for arrowheads. I'm at Prayer Mountain to pray. I'm there fasting and praying and seeking God. I'm looking for arrowheads. But I was praying in tongues while I was looking for the arrowheads. So does, does that count? So I just, there was all kinds of rocks in this creek. And I thought, I had heard somewhere that after a snow melt, Sometimes things will 
you could see things on the surface of the, one time a guy came to church from Illinois, he was a farmer, is a farmer, and uh, we were having a prayer meeting, and he was a young guy, actually he did a TV show, uh, it was a reality show about marrying a farmer, do you remember that? And he was here at Christmas Eve a while back, and he's married with a bunch of kids, so apparently it worked. But I was in his prayer meeting, and I started talking about what I'm talking about now. And he said, oh, yeah, I found an axe head in my farm field. I said, excuse me? He said, yeah, I found a, a stone axe head. He said, I've got it in my car. Do you want to see it? So I went right back to being Dennis the Menace, I, you know, the, like overalls and a slingshot in my pocket and a cow lick, you know. He said, yeah, man, when after it had rained and I had tilled the field and then it rained, I saw this thing sticking up out of the ground that just didn't look like it was a, a natural stone. So I walked over to it and it was just a, sticking up just a couple inches. So I, I cleared the dirt and pulled it out and he takes this thing out and it's this perfect, big, beautiful, I guess, Mississippian axe head. I freaked out. I was coveting it. I had to cast down my covetousness. My, I was like, I, was, I said, can I hold it? And it, it had been carved by the ancients, and uh, it was smooth. It was symmetrically perfect. It had been cut uh, in a groove all the way in the back, and the back of it was rounded like a, like a sledgehammer. And it, it must have weighed maybe seven, seven pounds, which is pretty heavy if you think about an axe head. It was pretty big. And it only had one little tiny chip on it. It looked like somebody had used it and it flew off the handle and got lost out in the dirt. And this guy found it however many 1,500 or 2,000 years later. He said that he found it because it kind of, he, he, it washed after he tilled the ground and then after the, the water washed it away, it heightened the potential to find things. And you know, I pray that fields are plowed tonight at this time of worship that thoughtfulness is coming to you, sensitivity is coming to you. I pray the gentle rain of the Holy Spirit will come into, the, into this place and start to push back some of the obstructions. And I pray you find some diamonds, and I pray you find some gems right now, yeah. right, in, near the, right in, in the midst of, of this moment. I pray you get answers to your situations. The Bible says if you seek, you'll find. So way better than that, that axe head, he found a Savior. He found a savior who not only would help him in that moment, but walk him for the next decade and then decades to come and equip him and empower him. Hallelujah. So back to the prayer mountain. I'm digging through the gravel, praying in the spirit for about two hours. And uh, I found two, not spearheads, not arrowheads, but dinosaur teeth. Yes. I found dinosaur teeth. So sometimes if you look for arrowheads, you may find dinosaur teeth. You're looking at a pastor who went to Prayer Mountain and went outside and said, Patsy, I'm going to go out and pray. But while I was praying, if you seek, you'll find. If you knock, the door will be open. If you ask, you'll receive. Show me a sign for good. Now, the reason it's, I introduced it as being counterintuitive to me is because what does the Bible say in the New Testament? It's a crooked and perverse generation that seeks after a sign. So we're admonished on one hand here in this psalm, show me a sign or a token for good. But then in the New Testament, we're told that it's a crooked and perverse generation that seeks after a sign. There's no sign that shall be given, but the sign of uh, Jonah, 
Jesus was in the belly of the earth for three days and so forth. And so we're not to be oriented toward outward manifestations to reinforce our faith, but nor should we ignore the fact that there are dinosaur teeth out there and axe heads and arrowheads and doorknob-sized diamonds. A few years ago, I was reading a story about, maybe you did too, about how somebody went to a a flea market and there was a rock hound that had been out digging through the dirt and he was selling a box of rocks. So this guy paid for this rock that was kind of dirty, had dirt on it. He, he went and washed it and kind of put a little bit of a, uh, a cleanup on it and he found it was like a, it was a star sapphire that was the size of a baseball that was worth something like a million dollars. So he had paid like 10 bucks for it and I guess he... he the, the guy, when the guy was interviewed you know, that sold it to him, he said, how do you feel about that? You sold that for $10 and it's worth a million dollars. He said, I know where I found it. <laughs> he wasn't even bothered by it. You know, it appreciated. He didn't even get bothered by it. You know, I love Missouri, you know. I, I, even today, wet, cold, 45 degrees, rainy. I love it. It's just the process of things. Imagine how God designed all this stuff. All these beautiful trees, they all at once have all these leaves, and all of a sudden they go bad and they fall off, and then we've got millions of pounds of litter all over the ground. (laughs) But you come back in about 10 days or two weeks, and it's all gone, because God just works it all out. He has a process of things. He causes things to work together for good. He inhabits the praises of his people. And Here's what the psalmist ends the psalm with. He says, show me a sign for good that those who hate me may see it and be ashamed because you, O Lord, have helped me. Who in here has had the Lord help you? He's an ever-present help in the time of need. And uh, there's a section in the bookstore called self-help, but there ought to be a, a section in the bookstore called God's help. I guess there is. That's the Bible section. And there's a section in this church called help people. God's actually called us to be helpful and go out and be aware and carry the sense of, you know, everywhere I go, God goes before me. He'll never leave me nor forsake me. Whatever season I'm in in life, God knew it. It's all sorted out. It's a perfect time to be alive. It's a perfect time to be in faith. It's never been a better time to be a Christian than right now. It's the most exciting time in the history of humanity right now. All the prophets of the Hebrew prophets, all of the early church that labored and traveled without means of mass transit or had to walk most of the places. Look from the windows of heaven, from the the grandstands and the cloud of witnesses that surround us. And it's my sense that they're cheering us on. Man, get out there and live the dream. You lift up your eyes and see that your redemption draws nigh. Mrs. C. Newsom wrote a beautiful book called The Life of Faith. In chapter 8 about God's will, she said, Every child of God desires to be obedient to him, but sometimes we overlook his expressed written will. She said, I believe many fail to do his will as expressed in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. And uh, that is to rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. And everything give thanks. 
In everything, give thanks. Everybody say, thank you, Jesus. I mean, we can be thankful in the midst of some of the most harsh battles. I remember when I was a teenager, how much turmoil I had. I couldn't share. I wasn't in a place like this church. I didn't have people I could talk to. I was very isolated. I privatized my, my battles, but God got me through them. And I am so thankful for it. I never disparaged teenagers. I realized I was a teenager, and I realized how challenging it was. And then I became middle-aged. And, uh, I, you know, I just want to tell you, whatever you're going through right now, you're going to get to the other side. And it's not really a cliche. You don't have to apologize. This is what Winston Churchill said. If you're going through hell, don't stop. Say, I press on. So Mrs. C. Newsom was basically saying, The King James says, rejoice evermore. In everything, give thanks, it says in the New American Standard Bible. We naturally rejoice when things go well for us. It's easy to do that. But it's essential to rejoice always. So we've got to have a tuneful spirit that's focused in on rejoicing. And I think, here are some of the other translations for show me a sign for good. The Jerusalem Bible says, give me one proof of your goodness. And I would say, bottom line, you ever get discouraged? Sarah Young in Jesus Calling in the devotional, she said, if your mind needs a focal point, gaze at the love of Jesus poured out on the cross. Remember that nothing in heaven or on earth can separate you from that love. This remembrance builds a foundation, she says, of gratitude in us. A foundation that circumstances cannot shake. Hallelujah. Everybody say hallelujah. Hallelujah. So I'm a little wary when people are looking for confirmations, for directions. I want to clarify what I'm teaching so that you understand. I don't want to downplay the reality that we should keep looking around because there's a blessing. There's a blessing in every situation. There's a blessing in there somewhere. He always causes us to triumph. No weapon formed against us will prosper. All things for which we pray and ask, believing we receive them, we have them. You'll get through that battle. You'll arrive at the place that God wants you to be. Having done all to stand, you stand. You're made of that kind of material. It comes from Jesus. He gets in on the life of a weak person and let the weak say, I am strong. In your weakest area, it'll be a testimony and a tribute that, hey, look how God's grace brought me through in this particular area. That's our testimony that keeps developing. Some of us are in different stages and in different areas, but he always causes us to triumph. And I love this scripture so much. God is at work in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. That's why the Bible says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For God is at work in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So our job in Christ is to work out what God's put on the inside of us. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. So the psalmist is saying, God, I want to keep my eyes open for the the blessings, for, for the tokens of your good. You know, I'll tell you, finding dinosaur teeth while I was praying, that's a big deal for my inner 14-year-old boy. You know, that I, I still have a pretty good inner child going on in there. And... Uh, I still want to find some, some uh, I, I wouldn't mind finding a doorknob size uh, a star sapphire worth a million bucks. So in addition to looking for dinosaur teeth and axe heads and arrowheads, 
I'm going to get my eyes open for a star sapphire or two before, right? As you go through your day, look for the tiny treasures strategically placed along your path. I repeat, as you go through your day, look for the tiny treasures strategically placed along your path. God lovingly lays out blessings all around us waiting to be discovered. So every day we get up and it's like, okay, God, you order my steps. You delight in the prosperity of your people. This isn't some superficial gimmickry. This is deep and profound. You're my heavenly father. He said, you earthly parents know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your heavenly father sprinkle those blessings? Hey, listen, you're looking at the guy who found dinosaur teeth. I'm, I'm going to find arrowheads. I'm going to find souls out there that are caught in the fences of the barbed wire fences of the world that are stuck. I'm going to find families that are about to blow up and I'm going to believe God for healing that their marriages will stay together. I'm going to find people that are terminal and believe God they get a next opportunity to live out their days. Here's another translation. The New American Bible says, grant me a proof of your favor. Grant me a proof of your favor. Now, again, I want to be sensitive to the balance point-counterpoint. We judge Scripture with Scripture. I want to tell you what I'm not saying, but I also want to tell you what I'm saying, okay? What I'm saying is expect blessings every day. What I'm saying is believe that you'll actually see the manifest blessings of God show up, that doors of opportunity, moments of inspiration, opportunities to share the gospel, opportunities to give, opportunities to serve. Come on. Um, what I'm not saying is don't look for outward circumstances like, man, I prayed that if you said this to me at this time, that I was going to go sell my house and move over to Omaha and go in. I've seen Christians get led by circumstance, and that's not good. The Bible says we're to be led by the Holy Spirit, and the word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And even prophecy, we're to judge prophecy. We're not to despise it, but we're to test it. And, I, and in the New Testament, prophecy is not for directive purposes. It's for edification, exhortation, and comfort. It's not like it was in the Old Testament when it was directive. It's now uh, edification, exhortation, and comfort. It's for confirmation, not for revelation. Revelation comes from the Word of God, the revealed will of God. And this is what C. Newsom, Mrs. C. Newsom said. Christians are looking to be in God's will. How many of you want to be in God's will? There's a passion in our hearts. The, the, this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. He said, give, in everything, give thanks. For this is God's will in Christ Jesus concerning you. Now, how, how did I do that when the flood of 93 hit? Because I had good teaching in the midst of the garbage to lift up my hands and say, okay, God, I thank you. You're going to cause this to work together for good. And I remember a preacher who I actually love and appreciate who said, God was judging the Midwest because of abortion, so he sent this flood, and it flooded and wiped out. And I thought, well, then God missed, because there were godly farmers that lost all their house and their farm, but the gambling boats just floated right up and made even more money. So you hear this quirky, it's like, wait a minute, man. It flooded, you know why it flooded? Because it rained. And you know why it flooded? In these, because this is a floodplain. And they reclaimed it, but they put, oh, an agricultural levy instead of a super levy. 
And this is a super levy that's for a 500 year flood. And I'm believing God that we have the 500 years now, right? You know what I'm saying? Say, thank you, Jesus. Here's what it says here in uh, the Harrison translation. I like the Harrison translation. Show me a heartening sign. Show me a heartening sign. A heartening sign that brings gladness to your heart. An indication. You know, God, you know, I'm believing you. I walk by faith and not by sight. But God, I know that uh, there's a completion to some of these things where I see the manifestation. There's something great about going through the process, but there's something great also about the completion. So we need to beware of not being grateful. We need to, in everything, give thanks. Say, thank you, Jesus. Well, a proof of his goodness. We just keep believing God. You receive peace in your heart. You know, when we face alarming symptoms, we've got to go to the promises of the word of God. I had a guy ask me to pray for him today. He said, these are the three scriptures I'm standing on. Psalm 107, verse 20. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from all their destructions. Psalm 103, verse 4. He pardons all of your iniquities. He heals all of your diseases. He redeems your life from the pit. David said, deliver Israel out of all of her fears. I've been there three times. In 1978, in the 30th anniversary, 98 in the 50th anniversary, and 2018 in the 70th anniversary. And I've watched the blessings of God take a land and cause a desert to blossom like a rose. It's totally different from the time I saw it as a young man. I watched God open up the doors and cause the dispersed Jews in Russia to return by, what, over a million to increase the population, but it seemed like about a third at that point. Yeah. I even know the guy that helped do it. I met him while I was at Bible school. We had tea together. Prof he and his friend prophesied. We went to a prayer meeting, and he and his friend prophesied over me for like 45 minutes. <laughs> Wasn't directive, but it was close. It was pretty deep. <laughs> deep, deep Swedish dudes, man, playing a guitar. It was like Swedish funk. It was like... A cross between Sly and the Family Stone and uh, Vikings music for God. I can't even explain it to you. I was laying on the floor praying, and man, it was like, what? It had rhythm. It was awesome. Man, they said some amazing things to me I, I will not forget. And I don't base and calibrate my directive aspects of my life on it, but I realize that as it's factored in the back burner, that by those things, we'll fight the good fight of faith. But the greatest prophecy is the word of God. This is the steadfast, more sure word of prophecy. Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And Jesus has something better than a big star sapphire the size of a baseball. Better than dinosaur teeth in a dry creek bed. Better than a Mississippian axe head that uh, it's, you know, priceless. But this is so powerful. This is so powerful. Thankfulness, like I said before, will pull out the sting of adversity. If you and I are experiencing challenge, we can begin to express gratitude. And there's something exhilarating about being thankful. There's something downgrading about being ungrateful. I mean, 
I just looked at a brother who had a life-altering visitation from God. These people with leprosy in the Bible was an incurable disease. Jesus came to heal. And in Luke chapter 17, verse 11, while he was on the way to Jerusalem, he was passing between Samaria and Galilee. Now, I was just here, and our, our guide, Yossi, and our driver, Mordecai, pointed to the fact this is the area of Samaria, and it's right near Jerusalem. They were talking about the Samaritan, the priest and the Levite and the Samaritan. I thought about the Samaritan woman, and then I, I thought about this Samaritan leper and how God doesn't really regard, you know, nations and ethnicities. And, you know, Paul said, I'm a debtor to the barbarian and to the Scythian, to the slave and to the free, the up and outer and the down and outer. You know, there's neither male nor female. We're all one in Christ. He understood Timothy the youth. He understood the elders. He understood the whole vastness of it. I like these guys that had this good attitude and outlook. And Jesus, he's exceptional here. He's ministering. And as he's in this village, these people with leprosy apparently have some hope hearing about this Galilean rabbi that has signs and wonders following him. So they, the 10 leprous men, they stood up at a distance and met him. And they raised their voices because you know why they had to raise their voices and stood at a distance? Because they were called outcasts. They were socially disconnected from everybody else because they had a contagion and they were marked and they were unwanted and disliked and they were not preferred and they were out there isolated because of their problem. But here comes Jesus, the solution to the problem, to all the problems of man. And they cry out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priest. Now, if you read the book of Leviticus, first of all, it'll cure insomnia because you try to read Leviticus, it'll knock you out. It's like a stack of steaks. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show the priest because it said in Leviticus that when someone is cured of leprosy, they're supposed to go to the priest and the priest has a certain a set of examinations and they, they check and they see if, if, if it's dry and if it's no longer advancing and if there's no redness there and there's no white spots and so forth. They had it all. God gave them the revelation of it. They were the guys that would decide whether they could reenter society. They had to stay in their, uh, you know, their isolation. The, there, there were even uh, leper colonies in Hawaii, you know, and still there are issues with leprosy. And in Jesus' name, I rebuke it. I hate all these sicknesses. I come against polio, and I pray people have wisdom about these things. When he saw, he said, go and show the priest that you were cleansed. So as they were going, they were cleansed. So they're standing there, and he goes, and they're at a distance. And he doesn't lay hands on them. They don't come up to a prayer line. They don't get on a prayer list. He just says, they say, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. He goes, okay, go to the priest and show him uh, that you're cleansed. So they're like, they're not cleansed yet. So as they're going, they're cleansed. <laughs> so it took faith for them to cry out and say, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Saying, Jesus, they're acknowledging that, he, that him as a person, Master, they, they're acknowledging that he's an amazing person. And they're asking for mercy, which healing is mercy. And uh, verse 15, now one of them, everybody say now one of them. When he saw that he had been healed, turned back 
glorifying God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving thanks to him, and he was a Samaritan. And oh, by the way, this was his, this was the side of the tracks he was from. Then Jesus answered and said, hey, were there not 10 cleansed, but the nine? Where are they? I was listening to an elderly scholar in academia. He's a, he's a professor. He teaches things like Latin and history and so forth. He's concerned about academia cr currently creating an arrogant and ignorant cadre of students. He wasn't, and I liked his delivery because he wasn't harsh, he wasn't dismissive, he wasn't emotional, he wasn't bitter. He was expressing concern as a mature elder. And I thought, we need to beware of pervasive ingratitude. The Bible says, in everything give thanks. Everybody say, thank you, Jesus. Church has a big head start on this. Because we know Psalm 100 verse 4 says, we're to enter into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. Husbands and wives, we have to cultivate genuine appreciation, not patronizing, sappy, toothy, thank you. We don't need to be manipulators. No manipulation necessary. In fact, we're not called to be schmoozing manipulators. We're called to be genuine appreciators of God and of all the goodness. Jesus said, were there not 10 cleansed, but where are the nine? I'll just tell you, frankly, what I get out of this, it's a minority report. The good report tends to be a minority report. And uh, you can see that in Numbers 13, where the, the, the spies that went out to spy the promised land, only two of them came back with a good report. And um, they said, we shall by all means possess the land. Listen, he said in verse 19, he said to him, stand up. Oh, he said in verse 18, was no one found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? Was no one found who returned to give glory to God? Now, I want you to just underline, return to give glory to God, because that's what we need to keep doing time and again, and that's the takeaway of this message, this attitude of gratitude. What Mrs. C. Newsom said, it's, we want God's will, but the Bible says, in everything, give thanks. Thank God whatever you can find to thank God for in every relationship. <laughs> thank you, God. If you had a dysfunctional mom and dad, they broke up when you were little, they mistreated you, you're abused. I mean, this is Joyce Meyer's message. You know, and I, I mean, we knew, we knew each other before either of us started in ministry in the 70s. We've talked about this over the decades. She ended up baptizing her own dad who abused her. That's a victory. I mean, that's like turning around and saying, God, I'm going to walk in mercy. I'm going to walk in mercy. Have mercy. Master, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. We need to be mercy biased. We need to look at whatever we can thank God for. My mom and dad, you know, well, we met on the tennis mat. We were at the tennis. Uh, I didn't know that, playing tennis. And then they got married. And then they had a baby. And then they got a divorce. And it's like, and then, you know, he never paid child support or anything like that. And she never recovered from anything and just was messed up for her whole life. And it's like, but thank you, God, I was born. I see my little, and now a little grandbaby, and I think, that's cool. I know in the church, people who, you know, don't whine about it and don't want to commiserate, but it's like, yeah, I've been through some things. How many of you have been through some things? Amen. Yeah, we have. 
because we're in the human race and because it's a fallen world and because nothing, I repeat, nothing is ideal. And in fact, at church, I don't want to idealize anything. It would be wrong for me to get up here and speak on such terms, such glowing terms that become artificial because this is not an artificial thing. This is an authentic thing. This is real. Jesus is Lord. He's the resurrection and the life. That's why there's so many young people in here because they're, they're attaching their lives to the truth of the gospel of Jesus, but they're returning to give glory to God. And, you know, this is really my quest for Friday night and for Sunday, and then for that matter, every day of the week for all of us, that we are tuned up. Let's all stand up. Stand up and go. Your faith has made you well. Turn and look at somebody and say, stand up and go. Your faith has made you well. There are acres of diamonds out around us, you guys. There are blessings that will come upon us and overtake us. Frank Capra did a beautiful black and white movie uh, so many years ago with Donna Reed and Jimmy Stewart. It's a Wonderful Life. There's a scene where he's crying out and asking God for help that'll really move you. And uh, it, it's, a, I think, a vital story that shows what value a life has. I was going into a store. The Lord spoke to my heart. I want you to preach to, and then, and then he named the guy's name. I was like, oh, man. So I've been working with this guy. He's a great guy in this, in this store, and my kids know him, and he's a great guy. And I went, okay, all right, I'll do it. So I, I looked to see if he was there. And I see, you know, and I was like, okay, he's there. So here we go. I'm going to witness to this guy. And uh, so he walked up to me. I said, hey, man. And he said, hey. And he showed me some stuff. And then he said, by the way, you know, I, I turned in my one-month notice. I'm going to move on to this other company. And I was like, I get my moment. And because um, you just don't blurt out stuff without the anointing. You don't just go running around just shove, shoveling stuff into people's faces obnoxiously you got to be spirit-led. But then we can't be quiet either. So we've got to be led by the Holy Spirit. So we're on an assignment to get out there and show forth his praises. Royal supernatural purposes on each one of our lives. Nudge somebody next to you, but don't look at them. Don't creep them out. Just nudge them a little bit and say, hey, man, I'm going to pray for you. Now let's pray. God, I pray for praiseworthy tokens of thy good. Beautiful, awesome, divine, strategically placed blessings for every man, woman, and child in this place right now. I pray the touch of the Holy Spirit on everybody in this room. I pray they have such an amazing day, week, month, year. I pray that, that great blessing would just happen in every person's life. I pray open doors of opportunity and favor. I pray you would use these guys to abate evil, to stimulate change, to stir up a hunger in people's lives to know God. Lord, I ask that you would please help our church to stay dip deep in the living waters, always paying attention to your main purposes, being diligent all the way through. Help us, God, we pray. Pray protection and blessing as everybody goes in Jesus' name.